Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catacomb Synod Practical Series. I know, I know, it's been a couple weeks, but things have been a little crazy, and we are happy to be getting back into it. Today, we are going to be talking about Holy Communion. We've already talked about the theology of why we believe here at the Catacomb Synod that heads of household, especially deacons, have the right to consecrate the elements in Holy Communion. They do. I'm not going to argue that point today, but maybe sometime in the future we can go deeper into that. But being a practicals series, let's talk about how to run the communion service, starting with frequency. Now, this is a source of debate among some different churches and theologians and uh, various high church versus low church people, how often do you have the Eucharist? Some will say, because Christ comes to us for our good and there is blessing there, we should have communion every Sunday, if not every single day. Or why not multiple times a day, huh? The idea is that there is blessing there. You want more blessings, don't you? So have communion often. Others will say, well, there's an issue with formalism. Faith receives the sacraments. And somebody who gets so used to a pattern and a routine that they're just going through the motions is not likely to receive the sacrament in faith. We're going to be talking a lot about faith over the course of this recording. The answer about how often you should have communion is it depends. As a house church, you have the freedom to have communion as frequently or infrequently as you like. That is up to you guys. It is not up to some bishop or district president or seminarian to tell you how often you should have it. As a deacon leading a house church, it will be up to you. And I would recommend know thy people as a general rule. If these are people who need to be reminded that this is a special event, if they fall into habits and patterns and formalism, going through the motions without understanding or even thinking about what they're doing or receiving, once a month is a good rubric for them, a good rule of thumb. If, however, these are devout Lutherans that you are working with, people who understand and who love and cherish the sacrament of the Eucharist, then weekly is probably a good idea. If you have a mix of both, I would recommend bi-weekly. But it would be foolish to be doing this less than once a month. There are churches out there that will have communion quarterly or once or twice a year, and that seems to me to be a psychopathic denial of grace to the congregation. Like You only find that sort of infrequency in churches that deny the efficacy of the sacraments. I mean, not even Baptists go that far. <laughs> typically, anyway. 
The point is, maintain your freedom as Christians on the congregational and individual level. Now, I will say, if somebody does come up to you as a deacon, they're part of your house church, and they say, I want communion. I am struggling and I need Christ's refreshment and strengthening of our faith. You shouldn't deny them. Maybe ask them some questions as to why that is the case. But if they come to you on a Thursday evening or something asking for communion, don't necessarily be quick to say, oh, just wait till Sunday. You don't know what they're going through, but Jesus does. Now let's talk about form. The setup, what you do, how you do it, how you get stuff. Will any wine do? Well, you should get red wine. Red wine is red like the blood of Christ is red. Can you have consecrated white wine? Well, the text just says wine, but red wine is the traditional practice. You should go with that. Bread, what kind of bread? Well, some sort of flat bread or unleavened bread. A deacon jokingly asked us if a tortilla counts, and my response was... <laughs> because the issue is faith, and if you put a mission tortilla there on the patent, chances are people in the congregation are just going to be thinking, that's a tortilla. That is not bread. That is not consecrated bread. That's a tortilla. You're saying you're going to be giving me a Christ quesadilla here. They're not going to receive that in faith, in all likelihood. Flatbread is preferred. Christ gave unleavened bread to the disciples on the night in which he was betrayed. He says, do this. It is best practice to use the kind of bread that he was using. But if you have leavened bread, is that going to be unconsecrated. No, it is bread. The text says bread. Any bread will do. Yes, there are endless debates and arguments about it from East and West in their dialogues. I don't care. The text says bread. Use bread. Preferably flatbread. Preferably red wine. And definitely don't use blasphemous materials. What do I mean by that? If you say a cookie is a form of bread and you try to have cookie communion, that is going to take people out of it. They will be looking at it the same way as they would look at a tortilla. The same if you get a bottle of Mad Dog 2020 or Wild Irish Rose and people are saying that your deacon is pouring bum wine into a cup. If Wild Irish Rose is all you have, I guess that's okay. But, nonetheless, respect the right. Respect it with the right elements. Preferably red wine. Preferably flat bread. Don't insult Christ with Chardonnay and a hot dog bun. Moving along, there is the form regarding the elements you use. Then there is the form regarding the communion setup. What kind of communion setup do you have? Now, I was showing different photographs and everything to the deacons tonight, and we were talking about it. There is the super low church setup, then there is the super high church setup. 
Personally, I typically fall somewhere in between. There is a rule that goes like this. Lex orandi, lex credendi. The way we pray is the way we worship. Your liturgy and how you do things will reflect your doctrine. And that includes things like vestments, things like an altar placed in the center or is the pulpit in the center. All sorts of hyper-detailed church things are manifestations of theology. And this includes the physical. A Lutheran church properly preaches to you as you walk in. And not saying that you have to have your house like that for a home congregation, but how you set up communion may reflect on prior theology. So let's say you were formerly a Baptist, and you just have the tray with the little plastic shot glasses for the wine. I mean, half of it might be grape juice and then a tray with tiny little bread pieces, and you pass those around. That reflects Baptist theology. Baptists holding to a remembrance view of Holy Communion will say, yes, the point is the remembering, not necessarily the uh, anamnesis aspect of putting yourself there. So they don't see a need to copy the exact night in which Christ was betrayed. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox who say, well, this was a Passover meal, and we are the proper inheritors of the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, we need to have this reflect the sacrifice of the Mass, and we need to make it as close to a Passover meal as possible. With some exceptions, some unprincipled exceptions, if I might add, because they don't have communion just once a year, and they don't roast a lamb before then, as the Passover feast tells them to do. But the idea is, here is how much you should do it, according to a typological spirit. Now, high church Lutherans are going to be upset hearing about this. I do believe that the higher church Lutherans, who have more complicated ceremonies, they're in some dangerous territory with a camel's nose of Roman Catholic theology on account of the way our rites have been preserved. Here is an example. Showbread. There are Lutheran pastors who have showbread for Holy Communion that they show to the congregation. This typically happens during the consecration of the elements, and they don't eat the showbread. Why not? Jesus says, take and eat. But it's showbread, and we're kind of like the Levitical priests. Jesus says, take and eat. You should take and eat. But then the showbread doesn't get eaten. And then Lutherans will make fun of Roman Catholic monstrances where they have uh, consecrated elements just there for people to pray to. And here a pastor does the same exact thing by just leaving that showbread there or putting it back in the sacristy. Hmm. 
And now you see that there is this connection to the Levitical priesthood, which the Roman Catholic Church does through some odd typology magic. And you do understand that the showbread was for sacrifices, right? And this is connected to the re-offering of Christ at the Mass, which we Lutherans have been calling an abomination for 500 years, since before the Augsburg Confession was written. And yet, here we have a camel's nose of Roman Catholic liturgical theology in the tent of the church. Now, don't get me wrong, I like the Gottesdienst guys just as much as anybody else, but we need to be more careful than that. I am not sacrificing Christ, nor re-offering him in Holy Communion. And when we take Communion, we should do what Jesus said, take and eat, take and drink. There is a need to do what Jesus tells us to do, rather than follow the forms and patterns of Roman Catholic theology without really examining ourselves there. Now, am I knocking the high church means of doing Holy Communion? Not at all. If somebody wants to get into the, the lavabo washing, if they want to hold up a paten and have a very, very nice chalice and everything, and they want to make sure everything is done just right and proper in unison with the entirety of the body of Christ here on earth, by all means, but never sacrifice obedience to the word of God and faith in what the word says on account of some tradition. Now, don't get me wrong, this isn't me being a Zwinglian or some Anabaptist here saying, oh, that looks Papist, get rid of it. No, I like liturgy. I like a lot of the church traditions that we have. They are useful and for good order. This comes all the way back again to the Augsburg Confession. But we modify our rites to glorify God. A Lutheran pastor having showbread there, or any deacon doing that and never eating the showbread, is bad. That needs to be modified. Again, if you like having cloth over the paten where the bread is before its consecration, go for it. If you want to have a showbread that you also eat, that is reserved for the deacon, lay leader, or pastor to use, sure. Let's make sure we're obedient, though. Now, on to the liturgy proper for the communion service. That you can find that, by the way. It's called the Communion Addendum at verylutheran.biz at the Resources tab. It is an order of Holy Communion that is inserted into a normal divine service, but can also be its own communion service if that's what you guys want. I hope you've noticed the uh, theme of freedom that we have as a free Lutheran organization. I digress. So we start asking the question, what is necessary for Holy Communion? What is absolutely necessary? The most bare bones communion service. Technically, you could say, if you have the words of institution, you have the bread and the wine, uh, you have something to put the bread and the wine 
on and in, respectively, a paten or plate and a chalice, the cup, then you can do that and then say the words of institution and maybe eat and drink and you should be fine, right? Well, not exactly. We are told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The VLP's communion addendum is designed in such a way that it is drenched in the word of God. Of course, I'm not the first to do this with communion services, the Free Lutherans, the LCMS, uh, confessional Lutheran organizations everywhere have had communion services like this, which starts with a greeting. The Lord be with you. Everybody says, with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift up our hearts unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is meet and right so to do. And of course, the leader turns to the table and says, it's truly meet, right, and salutary that we should at all times and places give praise unto thee, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, of course, the Sanctus could be recited, sung, chanted. However, the words are holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth, Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Question. Why would you have a thanksgiving and a sanctus before you've received the blessing of Holy Communion? Why thank God first and foremost? Well, because that's an act of faith. We are thanking God for what he promises to do by his word. Jesus has promised, this is my body, this is my blood. He has promised to show up for the forgiveness of our sins, the strengthening of our faith for eternal life. It is good to have a liturgy that when it comes to communion, demonstrates anticipation. The kind of faith that says, I thank you, Lord, for this promise, and then demonstrates saving faith by saying, Hosanna, save now. I thank you that you will be here. Please save me. That is what we are saying with the thanksgiving and the sanctus that come before the exhortation. Speaking of the exhortation, I've put that in there as a miniature law and gospel sermon. It's not a replacement for the actual sermon in the service, but the exhortation is there to remind us that we are sinners, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we cannot say that we merit by ourselves taking Holy Communion. St. Paul warns us that we have to be, well, examined. We have to examine ourselves. If I'm a sinner, I shouldn't be able to take communion, right? Well, the problem with that is that means nobody gets to take communion ever, and thus we end up disobeying Christ's words, take and eat, take and drink. So it can't be based on my worthiness because I am a poor, miserable, stinky, rotten sinner. It must be by belief. So St. Paul writes, anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself, 
this should be said during a communion service to demonstrate, yes, faith receives the sacrament. A lack of faith receives judgment. That is how Christ will come to you, either as your redeemer or as your judge, and the dividing line is determined by faith or lack thereof. So with this exhortation, you have the law. You and I are unworthy on account of our sinfulness, which I've put here as faithlessness. We have not been faithful enough to serve God to the point where we can just deserve eating and drinking the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But our Lord promises to be here for us, for a precious gift, and all he asks is that you believe that he is there and then in obedience receive the sacrament, take and eat, take and drink. Eternal life, miniature sermon. Now, we do want to make sure that we have the right faith in the right God, so we have the Nicene Creed after that. It is one thing to say faith receives the sacraments. Well, it's another to actually specify what faith that is. Faith in whom? So we confess the Nicene Creed to be in unison with all of the visible body of Christ, wherever word and sacrament are, we pronounce that. And then we say the Our Father. Now, this is a fun one. Is the Our Father by itself a communion or Eucharistic oriented prayer? The answer is no. You shouldn't only pray the Our Father during a communion service. That would be silly of us to neglect to pray it just about every day. But when Christ says, pray in this way, and he includes the petition, give us this day our daily bread, that daily bread isn't just feed me now. It's feed me now with something left over, enough for tomorrow. And what does Christ do for us in Holy Communion? He strengthens our faith, not just for now. But in the promise of eternal life, he's going to strengthen your faith for a long time. In the context of a Eucharistic service, this prayer becomes a Eucharistic prayer. So then we have the consecration. Uh, you might notice uh, the little cross there when it says, Take, eat, this is my body. And of course, it's there again when he says, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. That is a chance for the laity to make the sign of the cross, to cross themselves in remembrance of holy baptism. Remember, communion is for Christians. But what do you do as the deacon, the lay leader, the minister here? Well, that's typically you'd make the hand symbol for authority, your index finger, thumb, and middle finger all together and upright, and you trace a cross over the bread on the paten, and then holding up the cup, you do the same. We should be careful to make sure everybody knows you are not a wizard who is forcing Jesus to be there. You are not ontologically superior to the laity. Making that sign of the cross over the bread and over the wine is to say, Jesus is here. At some point in the service, he is there by the time the distribution of the elements happens. 
But when people are watching communion, the laity is just seeing a guy holding some bread and speaking some words. Making the sign of the cross over the bread and over the wine is a way of communicating to the people in the church, Christ arrives for you, strengthening faith, which receives that sacrament. Now, this is the entire point of why this liturgy here looks the way it looks. It must always be pushing and prodding and bringing up the word so that the people have the faith which receives the sacrament. And in a blessed fashion, even as the distribution happens, you might notice it says, take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken for you. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. I guess you could just snap your fingers and say, all right, buddy, uh, go ahead and eat. All right, everybody, let's go ahead and drink. But that would not have the exhortation to believe when we say take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take and drink. This is the true blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to urge and encourage everybody to faith even as far as the distribution and even after with the dismissal. Our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ who has now bestowed you his holy body and blood, with which he made full satisfaction for all your sins, strengthen and preserve you in the true faith unto everlasting life. Peace be with you. Amen. When you say that, you are still urging them to faith to continue having received that sacrament in faith. And that continues on into the thanksgiving. Let us give thanks and pray. We thank thee, Lord God Almighty, that thou hast vouchsafed to refresh us with these thy salutary gifts. You have done this for us, Lord. We want to increase the faith in what the word says and what God has promised so that we receive this gift in a way that gives life, a sacrament for us. Now, if you monkey with the liturgy, if you say, this is fine, Pastor, but uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently in my house church, you have the freedom to do so, provided that everybody is on the same page theologically, that we understand Christ himself is coming with his body and his blood, that he is there with his body and blood, in, with, and under the bread and the wine, which remain in order to what? To bless us, to bring us forgiveness, strengthened faith, and continued eternal life. We glorify our God when we understand that and take communion rightly. If you say, well, my house church, they hate the word Sabaoth for some reason, so we're going to nix that part of the Sanctus. Okay. But the point is, Christ is there for them and for you. If you're going to change up the liturgy in any way, shape, or form for the communion addendum, it should be for the best results, which is a congregation that believes and receives. Amen.
Alright, next week we are going to go over some other practical matters that might seem a bit impractical, but we'll get there when we get there next week. Until then, our Lord bless you and keep you. Amen and amen. <laughs>